today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. That's really all we know is the present. We forget about yesterday. We don't have a clear understanding of yesterday. Amen? I mean, you know, we can think that we can remember, but there's a lot of things we're going to forget about yesterday. And we have no clue what tomorrow is. We are in this ever-present present right now. But our God dwells in eternity. He sees the past. He knows the present. And He has already seen. And He knows. And beloved, He controls eternity. And it's interesting, we look at this and we look and say, Stephen is dead. What a horrible thing that is. What a wretched thing that is. Oh, but beloved, that's not the rest of the story. Sometimes it's hard to hold on to the hope that God is good all of the time. Believers are attacked and slandered. They may even die for the cause of Christ like Stephen, the first martyr. Today, Pastor David will encourage you with the fact that though you may be stuck in a horrible circumstance, God is powerful and present. He's at work and will use the wickedness of the enemy to further the work of the gospel for eternal joy. He has something greater in store when you are overwhelmed with the present. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 7 as he continues his message, The Martyrdom of Stephen. God was doing something within Stephen's life, even at that point. And beloved, I believe that as Stephen was there and these false witnesses were, were coming against him, that again, just the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit within his life began to radiate out of his life so greatly. It says that they saw his face as the face of an angel. And here Stephen is being accused of going against the customs of Moses, and now his face is actually shining just like the face of Moses after Moses had met and been with God. Warren Wiersbe tells us on this. He says, certainly the members of the Sanhedrin would recall Moses' face shining. It was as though God was saying, this man isn't against Moses. He's like Moses. He is my faithful servant. Stephen is there. He's before the council. The charges have been placed. And now we move into chapter 7, and there in verse 1 we read, And the high priest said, Are these things so? Now, very likely, most likely, the high priest at that time was still Caiaphas, the one who was the high priest during the trials of Jesus. But Stephen, rather than directly addressing these false charges that were against him, he actually uses this opportunity to school all of these leaders of Israel. 
He's going to school them on the history of Israel. He's going to school them on the move of God within Israel. And he's going to school them on the fact that Israel, all through their lives, had continued to reject the spirit and the move of God. In the midst of all of those years of God showing himself, they continued to turn their backs on God. And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, listen. And then he begins from Abraham. He goes all through the fathers of Israel. And all along the way, he reminds those leaders of Israel how often they and the whole nation had rebelled against the very plan and the very purpose and the words of God. He begins with the promise to Abraham. We'll look at that in a moment, verses 2 through 8. And again, he speaks of the very beginning and call of God to Abraham to begin the very nation that he's bringing. Then he moves on to the sojourn of Joseph. Joseph, again, who God used in a mighty way, who everything, everything looks so horrible to Joseph, you know, from the outside eyes. Again, all of his brothers turning against him, telling their father that he was dead, selling him into slavery, being into prison, being forgotten about that. All of these things going against Joseph, and yet God did such a powerful thing in and through Joseph. He's going to speak to them again about the deliverance of the people who were under bondage through Moses. And Moses actually becomes a major portion of what Stephen is about to tell them. He also speaks to them about the tabernacle. And the tabernacle that God said, I want you to build this in order that the people might know that I'm in their presence. But the idea and the understanding was that that tabernacle was only temporary things were going to change and then he moves on to speak about the temple itself and as he speaks about the temple that again yes the symbol of God's presence but not the home of God so as we look at this this morning as you follow along in your Bibles let's look at this verses 2 through 8 Stephen said brothers and fathers listen The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God, and after that they shall come out and serve me in this place." Then he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. First of all, he speaks of God's promises to Abraham to make out of Abraham a great nation, that from that nation, again, all nations were going to be blessed, that there were going to be times of trials, there were going to be times of troubles, there's going to be times of bondage. He, but he also spoke of the fact that God had given a covenant to Israel and God was going to keep his word because, again, he had covenanted with Abraham and with his descendants. Now we look at verses 9 through 16. And the patriarchs, the the 12 sons of Jacob, 
becoming envious of their brother Joseph, they sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time, Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Now here he speaks of the fact that again, even with the wickedness and all the evilness that was done to Joseph, God turned that around and it actually became a blessing to the people of Israel. It's interesting too that Stephen brings out that it's with the second appearance of Joseph that again, the nation was blessed and God provided for them. Let's look at verses 17 through uh, 37. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew, they multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed. And he struck down the Egyptian, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you do wrong to one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler or a judge over us? Do you want to kill us as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning. I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. Now this Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. 
He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. As he spoke of Moses, he spoke once again about it was the second time that Moses came as a deliverer. And that it was also Moses that says, God's going to raise someone like me that's going to be a ruler and a deliverer. Him you shall hear. Again, all of this at this point in time, as the council heard this, there was nothing they could argue about. He was bringing the truth and the history of Israel to them. Let's look at 38 in the following. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected, speaking of Moses. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, as for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. That's because he was up on the mountain again receiving the law of God. Verse 41, And so they, the people, made a calf in those days. They offered sacrifices to the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. And then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your god Remphan. Images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So again, now he's given the dirty laundry to this council. He's saying this is what Israel did after God had blessed them, God had cared for them, God had taken them out of the bondage, God had provided for them during this time, and what did they do? The whole nation turned against God and against his direction in their life. Let's go on. Let's look at verse 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers had having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land promised by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, and Stephen's still talking to these men of Israel, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all of these things? Stephen tells him, the sin of Israel, the sin of her leaders, even, even the present ones, that their sin far outweighed anything that he had said, anything that he had done. 
But I believe at this point in time, Stephen, again, filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe in his heart, man, in his spirit. He says, you know what? I've gone this far. We might as well go all the way, baby. And so look what he says in verse 51 as he speaks to them. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Guys, who's he talking to? The Sanhedrin, the leaders of all of Israel. You stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. After all, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and you have not kept it. Wow. When Peter and John stood before the council, they said this same Jesus whom you crucified is the promised one of Israel. And now Stephen standing before the same group, he says, this is the very one, the just one that was foretold whom you now you betrayed and you have murdered. And when they heard Stephen's statement, they all fell to their knees and they repented from their wickedness. (laughs) No, that's not what happened, is it? That's why you need to bring your Bible. Uh, Down in verse 54, he says, when they heard these things, oh yeah, they were cut to the heart, but then they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, guys, our Bible says that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God. And here, Stephen says, no, he's the Son of Man. He's now standing. Well, number one, the Son of Man, that's a messianic title that was given to Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is now standing as he's seeing all of this going on. And in my mind, I'm thinking that Jesus is saying, you go, Stephen, you go. <laughs> but the other thought is, man, he, he knows that pretty soon Stephen is going to be in his presence. Stephen's not going to be able to continue this because his life is about to be taken. Because in verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice and they they stopped their ears. They put their hands to their ears and they ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man, a young man by the name of Saul. Saul was a man from Tarsus of Cilicia. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Similar words of the Lord Jesus. Father, forgive them because they don't have a clue. They don't know what they're doing. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Beloved, truly, I believe that Stephen at that moment just passed right into the arms of Jesus. A couple of things I want to close up with here. First of all, you need to understand, it was speaking the truth that caused Stephen his physical 
life. But that's not the end of the story. And beloved, that is never the end of the story for the believer and for the kingdom work of God. Our God is eternal and he works with an eternal game plan. Let's face it, right now you and I live in the ever reality of the present. That's really all we know is the present. We forget about yesterday. We don't have a clear understanding of yesterday. Amen? I mean, you know, we can think that we can remember, but there's a lot of things we're going to forget about yesterday. And we have no clue what tomorrow is. We are in this ever-present present right now. But our God dwells in eternity. He sees the past. He knows the present. And he has already seen, and he knows, and beloved, he controls eternity. And it's interesting, we look at this and we look and say, Stephen is dead. What a horrible thing that is. What a wretched thing that is. Oh, but beloved, that's not the rest of the story. The plan of God continues to unfold a little bit more in chapter eight. So let's look just at the beginning verses of chapter eight. We can't finish without at least touching on this. Chapter eight, verse one. Now Saul, Saul of Tarsus, was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women committing them to prison does this sound like a horrible thing? Yes, it is in the present time. It's a horrible thing in the present. But again, that's not the whole of the story. What we find is that in the midst of that, in the midst of that persecution, being uprooted from their homes and from their families, we look down in verse 4 and we see, therefore, those who were scattered, what does it say they did, church? They went everywhere preaching the word. The thing that seems so horrid right now, so overwhelmingly wicked right now, tomorrow God uses for his glory. Amen. Sorrow lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Beloved, you and I need to understand that the worst, the very worst that the enemy can do to us cannot even be compared to the awesomeness of God's plan for our lives. God even uses the wickedness of the enemy of the gospel to further the work of the gospel. Isn't that just like our God? That's just like him to, again, use the things that in a moment look so horrible. And yet, just as we see in the scriptures, ah, but God, but God. Beloved, when the enemy comes against you, whether that's spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, whatever way that the attack of the enemy is overwhelming you, understand our God has something greater in store for you. And he is working out a greater plan in you. We see the present. We are overwhelmed with the present. But our God is eternal. 
The attacks of the enemy are only preparations for us for that ongoing work of God's kingdom. Beloved, when we're surrendered to his will, we need to understand for the ongoing work in his kingdom in a way that he determines, not the way that we determine. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.